0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you, your desert island
2: dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip and culinary secrets.
1: But they all have one big thing in common, they bloody love food.
2: Welcome to Dish. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dish, I'm Paul Verhoeven.
1: And I'm Tegan Higginbotham, hello, welcome back to the second episode in our huge... <laughs> Bumper double Darren Hayes special. Ew, no
2: bumper sounds like some sort of like Reader's Digest crossword special that you buy at the supermarket. You know, like it's a big bumper issue this month, guys. <laughs> but actually, this is Darren Hayes' second episode of Dish, which means he's the first guest to come back on the show. Technically, right.
1: Yeah, but we're not re-kidnapping him again. We've just, we've popped him on the island and we've kept him on the island. Uh, He doesn't go through two ordeals. No,
2: actually we did. We sent him home, re-kidnapped him, wiped his memory and then told him and then played back the first episode (laughs) and he's now going to have to pretend he didn't do an episode the previous week. Oh God. Yeah, it's really weird. Anyway, Darren Hayes, incredible guy, friend of the show, talked about all kinds of amazing stuff last week on Dish.
1: Now, Paul, one of the lovely things about Darren being on the show, other than the fact that he is fucking funny, is that he really kindly tweeted about the show and he popped it up on his Instagram. Mm. And he has a huge following in the States. He does. So last week... For the very first time, we had a whole load of people listening to our show from America. So first of all, get a
2: Buongiorno! Is that the language <laughs> this week?
1: Welcome to all of our American listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know that Australians, we're a little bit weird, we're a little bit strange, and we eat things that you don't eat. The obvious one, of course, being Vegemite. Here's a little tip for all of our American listeners. We don't actually eat that much of it.
2: No, in fact, we hate it. We It's a joke we're playing on you.
1: We don't hate it. <laughs> Some of us love it, like me. Yeah. So I eat it regularly, mm-hmm. but in very small doses. Yes. So if you ever travel to Australia when COVID restrictions end, and some schmuck in a cafe or you know your best mate from Australia tries to give you a piece of toast with like a three centimetre thick layer of Vegemite, that is not how it's done. It is a it is a delicate spread.
2: It's a whisper. It's
1: a whisper. You whisper the veggie A couple of other things to clear up for you. Uh, we like fairy bread no, a we, lot. No, we, I don't
2: think we like fairy bread. I feel like it's just something that was always here. It's an institution. Right? I like fairy bread. Do you?
1: You get bogo standard white bread, you put a thin layer of butter on it, and then on top of it, you sprinkle hundreds and thousands. It's
2: so povo. It, it is so awful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what we do. And we like it. Uh, we, I think you know about Tim Tams. Chocolate biscuit, soft bit in the middle. Mm-hmm.
2: And there is, of course, the Tim Tam Slam where you sit on one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing about Tim Tams, though. Uh, They've since come out with a double choc variety, which comes in the blue packet as opposed to the standard brown packet. Can we
2: talk about the schmucks who still buy regular? This is the thing. No, we, we, we Why would your... you
1: go regular we now? Were at your
2: place and your parents brought out Tim Tams, and then we went double stuff. They went, no, well, no. And I'm like, I just
1: I uh, I don't understand. I want it. my
2: tim tam's, but less good. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, we have an ice cream over here called a golden gay time. Mm. Just,
2: just go. Sorry. With it. Yeah. Just yeah.
1: Just go with it. Mm. Um, it's re- it's actually probably one of the better ones that you can buy. A vanilla slice. Uh, it's based on the French pastry. I'm pretty sure it is. It's, it's very thin, crunchy pastry. Yeah. With a vanilla custard in the middle. Here's the thing. You've got to call it a snot block because that's, that's just what we call it. So vanilla slice, it's a snot block, and all of the country towns compete with each other to make the best one. Okay, yeah, welcome to Australia. We
2: have no culture. Welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Here's just one other thing I want to clear up for our American listeners. We're so grateful to have you here. We do not eat shrimp. In Australia, we do not call them shrimp, so we would never put a shrimp on the barbie. We cook a lot of things on barbecues, but mm-hmm. we would cook...
2: Prawns on the Barbie. Or, in special occasions, fairy bread. (laughs) You whack that on there, have a bit of a snot block as a chaser. Welcome to our horrible country.
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway, as Paul said, last week was part one of our bumper special, our bumper Darren Hayes special. Mm. And now we're going to jump into part two. Now, here's the super interesting thing about Darren Hayes. He, of course, as we all know, was just about one of the most successful musicians ever. But about 10 years ago, he sort of semi-retired-ish. It was a quiet retirement. And since then, he started doing a lot of other incredible things, including impro comedy. He's now an improvisational comedian. And so we spoke to him about that. Well, I'm fascinated to talk to you about this because you are a seasoned improviser and here in Australia, comedy still feels like there are some pretty, you know, big walls up there in how we're going to move forwards with conversations about what you can and can't say and Mm. that maybe you shouldn't be able to joke about everything and that's okay. What do you feel is happening over where you are in the comedy scene? How are these conversations progressing?
0: I would point to somebody like Sarah Silverman who's a really great barometer. I love the way Sarah owns the past stuff that, and I'm using a woman uh, intentionally, Sarah used to get down in the mud Sometimes because she felt she had to, because of, it was such a male gaze. And so she would get down in the mud sometimes because she felt she had to. And therefore, she, she's she been put in a position now where she's had the opportunity to sometimes go back and say, I want to retract that position or not. Uh, I don't, I love Ricky Gervais. I don't subscribe to Ricky's point of view for example that that you can that everything can it depends who the target of the joke is you know so it's so it's so nuanced but it's that concept of who is the subject of the joke where are you punching and it you start splitting hairs I think because at the end of the day if you're just looking for an excuse to say uh, a really offensive word but you're hiding behind The fact that you're saying, no, 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 I'm just mocking racists. I don't know. I just kind of feel like you just want to say a really offensive word. You don't want to, like, you don't want to ask me my opinion on Tarantino because I enjoy his films very much, but it's controversial. My opinion of Tarantino is I don't feel like he has the right to write the dialogue and perform the dialogue that he does often. That's my just that's that's my opinion and that's my position. So I would kind of apply that to comedians as well. In the same way that I feel like with when it comes to hip hop, there are certain words that I don't feel like it's no big deal for me not to sing certain words in hip hop songs.
1: It's funny, when I first started doing stand up and you know you're figuring out how you fit into this world I realized that especially because of how I looked, which was, you know, this very petite blonde thing back then, I looked very young, uh, that I could get a laugh with something very shocking just as easily as I could with a set up punchline.
2: Just for the very basic fact that typically you wouldn't hear that coming out of your mouth. Yeah, so you shock an audience and
1: they're uncomfortable and they laugh. And when you're up there on stage, you just don't give a shit where the laugh is coming from at times. Like as long as they're making noise, I'm fine. And yeah, it took me a while to realize that I was at times writing that sort of shock comedy mm. t- instead of crafting a better joke. And it's, it's, it's easier. It is easier at times to shock people. And so, yeah, I think that you can make a lot of arguments about what's right and wrong. But there is also a question of, are you just being lazy? Because I think there is probably something far more intelligent that you could be saying. It involves crafting.
2: Yeah, I think you can literally get drunk on the noise a crowd makes. I mean, Darren, you you you'll, you'll be more than familiar with this. I mean, when when a crowd reacts positively to something you Ugh. do, it is like the serotonin is just crazy, right?
0: It, it is, and, and, and it's funny with comedy. Like we used to say, you probably you guys are familiar with this. And I feel honestly, like it was very kind of you to say, like a seasoned uh, improviser. I mean, I I studied improv for three years, and I had the luxury of. Um, You know, really being in the trenches, like doing improv in tiny bars and stand up in tiny bars and uh, doing it under the radar uh, in in the way that a lot of comedians have to, uh, which was wonderful, you know, so I didn't get any special treatment. um, And we had that phrase where you would just get the fucks out where yeah right so you understand as comedians and people at home who don't understand what we're talking about it's that your first impulse is to be filthy it is to be shocking it is to, because it it's not so much even that it's lazy or that it's easy but it is often the subconscious mind's first go to because it's terrifying you're standing up on stage and like paul said that adrenaline when you get a laugh you'll go there and it it is a bit like well, it's called improv for a reason. It's a bit like improvisation it's like improvisational dance or, or anything. You're just you're it's an out of body experience and you're it's like jazz. You're just following where these uh these invisible roadmaps are happening and the audience is giving you these cues and so you're following them. And the ego just wants approval. So if you drop the uh, the F-bomb f- a few times and the C-word or whatever, and then you suddenly end up in pedophilia world and that's working, you're going to go there. Um, but what happens is you do start to feel a bit shitty, but it's normal. And it's a normal process of being a comedian. And you you often, we would do um, warm-up sets beforehand or just, you would just do filthy shit in your um, in your warm-up beforehand to get a lot of swearing out. So that that wasn't your first go to, um, but my, I don't know. My take on the morality aspect of it is, we all know if we're hurting someone, yeah. And I think that's really that because I don't have a problem with lazy. I really don't. If if it works, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a problem because I could say the same thing about music. I think there's plenty of what people would consider to be lazy music. That's great. That's you know like it it doesn't bother me. I'm not a snob about anything if it's enjoyable. In the same way we talked about food, you know,
2: like bread in the bag. Yeah, you know, bread in the bag is effortless. It's lazy, but sometimes you want bread from a bag. (laughs) That's exactly. Yeah. But
0: you know, like I think it's when when you really think about the it's that thing of like would you say it to someone's face? You know, Mm. and often when I my type of stand up um, it isn't often written jokes. I tend to be not a great actor, but I'm better if I'm doing improv stuff um, or uh, the the type of thing that you would see uh, maybe on a show like The Office or something where there's a loose script, there's a plot line, and I'm allowed to just kind of ad lib. I'm confessional. I say too much. Um, My stand-up tends to be I just confess stuff um, that's happening in my life and the embarrassment of that tends to be what people laugh at. And um, I become the subject of the joke. Whereas in the beginning, it used to be um, I would find the stuff that I would want to write someone would be the punchline and I would just sort of think, oh, I hope they're not here tonight.
1: I've had that feeling. And you're right. You know, you absolutely know when you're, when you're saying something that could upset somebody because if you're worried that they're in the audience, cut the joke. Cut the damn
0: joke. <laughs> so then if you extrapolate that, it's like, well, if that someone is a group of people or a marginalized part of society or whoever, or just say your joke is Caitlyn Jenner, really the target is the trans community. No, I don't want to hurt the trans community. I love the trans community. So, for me it's like not going to make that joke. That you know, but it's just it's just it's not highfalutin. It's not being um like it's such bullshit when people say, "Oh, you can't make any jokes anymore." Those comedians, I think are just it's like that's you're lazy. That's lazy.
2: I have this image of you at school Popping off when a guy stole your rat, and being a lot like you said—you said you were reactive. Yes. Whereas that's the inverse of who you are on stage, apparently. Because now you will sit there and you will volunteer things about you will give people the rat. <laughs> well, that's how I started doing comedy because my stage
0: director, since the very first Savage show, all the way through mm. to the last show I ever did, um, is Willie Williams, and Willie uh, is You Too. So if you've ever seen You Too, that's Willie. And I did.
2: Right.
1: I did see you two once, and I made eyes with Bono, and Tegan it was Rickens, great. Tegan
2: Rickens Bono was flirting with her. He I'm
1: was like... flirting with me.
2: I guarantee he was.
0: <laughs> 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 Yay! He's a massive flirt. Um, and he has a very, you know, yeah, he's massively flirting, and, and that's what pop stars do. I mean, and in fact, that's oxygen, and you need to connect with people. And anytime anyone wonders if, if a pop star looked you in the eye, they absolutely did, and they needed that, and
2: they felt it. Um, He's just sitting there looking at Tegan, like 14-year-old Tegan going, ah, 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 through his rose-coloured glasses. Thank you
1: very much. I was much older than 14, but that was the noise he was making, yes.
0: <laughs> well, the thing with, with, with uh, working with Willie was that, again, with the penis theme, is that um, was that Willie <laughs> used to say to me, you know, because I, when I first started, I remember sitting with the publicist back in, like, I was 21, 22, and she was this sort of over-the-top, like, Eastern suburbs, like, posh. I don't know. I, I, but she was, I, all I remember is I hate smoking cigarettes. I hate cigarettes. And she was, like, smoking cigarettes in the same room as me. And I was just biting my tongue. Just I was such a diva. And she was, like, smoking cigarettes. And she's like, right, okay. It was, like, some scene out of Absolutely Fabulous, you know. And she was, like, right. That, right. that kind of publicist. And she was like, right, okay, right. So we're going to write your, your biographies right now. Okay, how do you guys want to be perceived? Like, who do you – like, how do you want to be perceived, Darren? And I remember laughably saying – I want to be perceived as really mysterious and shy. <laughs> hot. And she just laughed and good for her. She was just like, oh my God, that is just not you. Like that, you'll never be that person. But for the longest time, I really tried to, I mean, part of it was because I wasn't comfortable with my sexuality. So I was trying to hide a part of myself from myself and from you mm. and from whatever, but you know, I was fighting this inner war as well as this outer war or whatever, but little bits of me would would slip through and Willie noticed and would say, you're funny. Like, you're kind of funny. You should be more like that. You know, so my onstage banter became more ridiculous and silly. So by the time we were doing like one of my final shows, I mean, it was almost like a game show. It was insane. We had a, a section called um, Kiss the Bloke or something. It was insane. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like people came to see a show at the Sydney Opera House and people left and sound grabs were like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And I can't tell you if that was a compliment. <laughs> I think it was. No, it
1: is. It is. You know. Yeah. Or even if it's a conic compliment where 10 years later they have to go,
0: actually, no, that was really you know, great. Because I had confessed to have having had hemorrhoids uh, on a stage. <laughs> and I remember Willie really just going, what are you doing? But I just didn't really care. And so we, when he saw that, he just really pushed that. He just, he was just like, I, you need to, like, so my shows became more theatrical and that's how I ended up doing all this, having a sabbatical in, in LA and all that stuff.
2: I find it so interesting that you've accrued these skills. You've, you've become, you know, an improviser and a comedian and you've sort of gone, been through this reformation. and Probably
1: a nose as well.
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but improv is, <laughs> improv is very... It's very loose and it's reactive, which seems the opposite of kind of a regimented, formalized songwriting structure. And given that you imply that you're going to be getting back in the, in the ring, as you put it, uh, do you think that your new, your new skill set will kind of affect the way you create things from now on? musically hundred percent, because
0: I, I thought I'd retired and I was very sad. I just, I'd reached the end of what I thought was my career and I I had no plans to tell anyone I'd retired because how did, first of all, how do you break up when you're a solo artist? What do you do? <laughs> do you say you just weren't
2: getting along? So you a very stern email. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but I thought I would just disappear and I I laugh about this now, but it was, I was deadly serious. I, I thought I was going to open up, you'll love this, Paul, I think. Very um, sort of Twin Peaks inspired coffee shop uh, in in Santa Monica that was like a comic store that sold just four types of pie and endless coffee.
2: Oh my god! I'll I will I will run this place with you. I know,
0: but that's what I thought I would do. And I remember um, a therapist again. Thank God for people that laugh at my plans. But a therapist just saying to me, "Do you really think you could be mortal?" And I was like. What, do you... what an interesting thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you, just with a job. He's like, what do you know about pies? I was like, nothing. He's like, okay, you might want to do some research on pies. Do you like making pies? I'm like, I'm not going to make them. He's like, well, you're not going to make any money. I was like, well, uh, uh, you know, and there was just this kind of like reality check of like, huh? Um, I had just stopped planting seeds of dreams. I had been... You know, you can see the moment that I decided to be a pop star because it's on YouTube. It's if you Google on that island of yours uh, that we're all on. Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry. Bad improviser. Hello. Perfect. Say yes and uh, yes and this island we're on. Uh, uh, If you Google uh, Michael Jackson uh, Brisbane Entertainment Center, Um, I was at that show by Fluke of just, it was crazy. I'd bought a really cheap field ticket. And because Australia was crazy and homophobic, Michael was supposed to play to 80,000 people and it got downgraded to two nights at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre with a capacity of 12,000 per night. So do the math. Whoa! Right? He was the biggest star in the world, but it was 1987 and we all thought Michael was going to perform inside a bubble because he was afraid of Aussie germs. Right. Also because we didn't like his new eyeliner look, we weren't that keen on his you know, feminine image at the time. They exchanged my ticket for, uh, randomly, was a front row ticket. And it's on YouTube. I think it's, Nine seconds into the video, you can see a little chubby Darren Hayes in a white polo shirt jumping up and down, screaming, I love you, Michael. Now, throughout Aww. throughout the entire show, I had the back of my head punched and the back of my knees kicked by girls behind me calling me the F word. And I, I don't mean fuck. Uh, it rhymes with uh, smaggot. And um, and all the way home on the Bowen Hills line, I was kicked and called the smaggot word. Um, but I knew from that show... I was no longer this hysterical fan. I just knew I was going to do what he did. And a a year later, I sold out that same show, the same auditorium.
1: A year later? I didn't realize. Sorry, not a year later. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Ten years years later.
1: I was going to say, holy shit. How did you? That's a transformation. But still, I mean, that's incredible. I didn't realize But I left
0: that show and that was my charge. That's what I took away from it. I was like, I will become this. So when I was bullied, I was I mean I've learned about this in therapy now but I was um, dissociating I would become a pop star in my mind I would become somebody else I created this other persona who could become this other person and I did that when I was 13 but when I did my last show 10 11 years ago I realized I had I hadn't planted a seed of a dream since I was 13 so improvising learning how to operate a studio like, all of these backward ways back into music, podcasting, learning how to operate a studio, how to use logic, learning about microphones, pr- just producing other performers. Being on stage with, like, 25-year-old kids who didn't have any clue who I was, who would look at me and be like, huh, you're really good at this. You, you, have you have you done this before? And I'm thinking, I've sung with Pavarotti, you know, but no, I haven't played to four people, you know, in... <laughs> Doing it in in, in our improv class team before. No. But yes, I'm confident on stage. It was incredibly humbling. And the the biggest gift of all was that I wasn't the best person in the room. And that was so, so helpful. You know, I wasn't the funniest person. Um, It's kind of you to say comedian or improviser. I wouldn't call myself that. I'm just someone that I trained in that and studied in that. And I am a funny person. Um, You two are hilarious. You know, all of my friends in in America are comedians and people that I met there. My goddaughter is the daughter of one of my best friends who I ended up writing a musical with because I met him at the Groundlings Theatre. So my whole life and my way of being as an artist and everything that I value all changed because of improv and because of everything I did. Yes is the shortest answer I can give you.
1: (laughs) No, that's wonderful. You say, though, that you hadn't planted that seed. Clearly, you have now. Yeah. Do you know how far along... Are we allowed to know how far along you are in this flower blooming? Are you allowed to to talk about that? Because I don't want to... You know, if it's all very secret, No, it's it's fine.
0: I can just say it's all very secret. I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit to just say it, but... I've been let's just say if you follow my mirror workouts and you wonder why I'm trying to get cheekbones again, it's because mum <laughs> mum has had to get photographs taken. So um, there's a lot of frustration with uh, COVID, as we all know, as performers. So there's been a lot of uh, a lot of delays there. But I've um, I've been working really, really hard in secret for a long time, and I'm really amazing. Yeah,
1: and people should get your app because that's probably I'm going to guess where they'll find out first.
0: Yeah. And mostly because I'm obsessed with the guy who did this app. Um, he's become a really dear friend. He was best friends with um, the now departed but genius producer, Rupert Hine. And um, the whole point of the app, this it gen- genuinely isn't a hard sell. There is no hard sell. I don't make any money from it. There's no tracking. There's no spamming. There's no whatever. It was designed because of the toxicity of just being online and just this, re- this reaction to Facebook and being tracked and, and everything all the time. It's like, it's, it's a one way conversation. It's just me. I just post stuff when I want to. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on there that I don't share with the world and, and it's kind of locked in there. So I don't have to worry about it leaking. It's just, so there are little demos and photos and like this pictures of me with my goddaughter and things I, I wouldn't share with the world, but they're kind of, there's a trust aspect. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I love it. I, I've got the app and it feels almost, I won't go far as a blogger, but it feels like it's its almost uh, journal entries and we get the privilege of reading those and following the journey with you. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you probably saw the, um, God, I've forgotten his name, the incredible comedian who just did that lockdown special. Um, people either love it or hate it. But... Oh, Bo Burnham. Yeah. Yeah. I really related to that because I'm old enough to remember when the internet was like, oh my God, I'm chatting to somebody in Sri Lanka right now. This is amazing. And then you juxtapose it with, somebody just told me to shoot myself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, like, it just, for me, it's very nostalgic because it's really just, um, I get a kick out of... Like, we laugh about it, but it's like a bit of a bat signal. Like, if I want to go on Instagram Live, but I don't want everyone to be there, I can just send a push notification. And I know that the only people that will get this push notification are people that actually want it. Mm. Yeah. You have to actually say, yeah, I'd like to get that.
2: Hey, it's Danny
0: Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? it's you don't automatically get it i don't like the way it's set up is you have to ask if you'll get that and if you get one and it pisses you off you can block me (laughs) like it's it's so it's almost like that version of dating where women are in control i forget what which one it's called but it's bumble it's your bumble it's the bumble of social media and but i love that so it's just like i can literally send a kind of a you up and if anyone is, I'll be like, well, I'm going to be on Instagram live and I, I can have a chat. I don't save my Instagram lives like a lot of people do because my theory on that is like, dude, if I thought that I was going to give a 30 minute speech that was going to last forever, I wouldn't speak.
1: There is something lovely about the idea that it's just going to vanish in the morning.
0: Yeah. It's like, so for me, it's like, just be warned. If you catch it live, we'll we'll have an experience together live and then I'm going to delete that shit. And if you It's like a
2: regular it's like a real conversation in that respect, right? It should be a thing that you were there for or you weren't, right? A hundred percent.
0: And that's kind of what I that's what I'm trying to find in this post uh well, I'll call it a post Burnham revelation, but really it's you know Jeffrey Bezos. It's your birthday. Anyway.
2: You know what's interesting though is that you are very active on social media. That's how we met. We became friends on social media, talking about Star Wars and shit like that. Yep. And that's great. But recently, you posted something on uh, the Twitter, which kind of created a mild buzz, and it's been <laughs> stuck in our head. Well, it's... it also
1: works because it's food, so we can we can easily <laughs> drag this in and justify it. You
2: know what we're talking about? It's it's, it's someone now. First of all, just so an, a, a company who we won't name sent you a parody, like a parody lyrics. Yeah for your song but it was about food like first of all did you think people would be interested in this and did you ever ever consider i mean did you have you been singing this to yourself in the bathroom have you had this going in your head or is it you know is it done
0: first of all i'm so glad it's you that i get to talk to you about i haven't talked i haven't really spoken to anyone about it i did one breakfast morning uh, chat about this where i actually thought i would explain the whole story and it just became a funny it was funny. It was fine. But it, they ended up just doing their own version of the song. No, this is legit real. And what happened was this was two years ago, and it was a food company that we won't name, and it was a shit ton of money. And it was a blind... So they somebody was paid to write those lyrics for real.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, bless them. Uh, and it was sent to me, but they didn't want me to know what the company was, but you can work out what it was. And the fee was there. And it was a blanket no for me. Like the way that anything to do with Savage Garden works is that there's two of us who wrote everything. So that's mm-hmm. me and Daniel and, and, uh, you know, it has to have a hundred percent approval anyway. And we're very protective, um, over the, the association with the songs anyway. It, for me, the minute I saw it, I was like, there's no way in the world. So as a joke, I just took those lyrics and on my private Facebook, I posted them to my friends and family and forgot about it. And that was it. Just forgot it. It was a shit ton of money. And I get offered a shit ton of money to do things like that all the time. Or really bad TV shows. Really bad. Like beyond... Oh, yeah.
1: How many times have you been asked into the jungle?
0: So many times. Or even worse. Yeah. Celeb Air. Please tell me you've heard of Celeb Air. Oh, my God. No. Oh, there was a pitch for a TV show once called Celeb Air. First of all, there's nothing more insulting than being called a celeb. Like, celeb. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so it's so new idea. Um, but... And the idea was you get a bunch of celebs and train them as trolley dollies, and then oh Jesus. And then the passengers, yeah, vote you off. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, guys. I'm just struggling to
1: find out why you wouldn't be artistically stimulated by that, Darren, because that sounds amazing. But any,
0: anyway, and thank you. I Thank you for your belief in me, Teague. Um, but, um, so I had to turn that down as well. Uh, but the deal was, uh, so I instantly just said no, put it on my Facebook, forgot about it. But Facebook memories reminded me. So on a whim, I've just, I thought, oh, I'll share this with the public. And it just kind of blew up. And I think everyone thought I made it up or that it wasn't true. And then... My worst nightmare came true. People actually made it real and started recording versions of it. And I just shot myself in the foot because my worst nightmare became true because I gave birth to it and I didn't get paid.
1: (laughs) Oh no! Yeah, you might.
2: Have you? Have you? But have you? Did you hear these people? Okay, did it get your dander up hearing people kind of sing it, and you going, "At least look, at least do it properly." And could you do it better? I mean,
0: no. The only person who did a version of it was um, Lindsay, um, who I think is adorable and. He was the first person to do it and he's adorable and I love him, but I tacitly can't approve it because, you know, can't, but I think he's adorable. No, No, I mean, other people can take the piss, but anyone who thinks that I'm going to sing that shit is, let's just say they're drinking, (laughs) they're drinking whatever you gave me, Tegan, to get on this island.
1: (laughs) I, I like the way you'd put it when you'd posted it on Twitter, something like you were saying that you're protecting our high school memories. And that's how I feel. It's like, these are these are cherished songs and they shall not be besmirched.
2: Oop. Yeah, there was a point in an Adam Sandler film where Al Pacino does a fake ad for a Dunkachino. It's a drink at Dunkin' Donuts. And he does this. It's the most... It's a piss take, but it is the perfect example of a celebrity going, man, I need money. I'm going to shit on my legacy, right? I mean... 100%. Yeah. But I, yeah. I
0: do think that we really do, I think we all own songs once they're in the ether, right? And I think there's, um I understand, I'm not criticizing anyone who, who makes other decisions, but my experience of songs that get, I don't know, I'd like over here at the moment, there are so many, in America, there are so many classic songs that have been just brutalized, you know, by like heartburn medication or, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And I'm just like, I don't want I I still remember the burn of seeing, like, a Beatles song, like, being... I can't remember what it was, but... I don't know, I just... I I want people, when they think of a song, whether they hate it or they love it, but I want them to have the memory that they had of it, you know? In their place and time and their memory. That's their memory. I don't want to... Incept them. Yeah. Sure.
2: Well, what about the inverse when there's a beloved jingle like the Lubemobile theme? I mean, I, c- c- could could you do the opposite and could you could you artsy it up and make it? Fucking... You're wondering
1: if the new album's going to have a sweet jingle, a Lubemobile jingle. I'm just saying
2: if you could do My Dad Picks the Fruit, Darren, that would really. I gotta myself. tell you,
0: over here they've got call. Cool, they've got one about like all these injury attorneys. Do they have them in Australia yet? Do we? Have we? No, 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 no. no, no we no. don't
1: quite have that level yet over here.
0: Oh, there's one about called Jacob. Called Jacob, injury attorneys called Jacob, and I'm constantly singing that one. So I think yeah, I could probably do Yeah, beautiful. Some, yeah put some house beat behind something.
2: You know that Golden Valley snacks? That was a musical moment for me in my childhood. Remember when the Awesome Foursome did the thing for the?
1: They were hot as well in that ad.
2: W- I'm sorry, what?
1: Come on, it's, the, it's 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 all in the name, Paul. It's like They're four awesome Bonos awesome... in Lycra, just sort of
2: undulating, <laughs> singing Dean Martin as they eat fruit from small plastic bags.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, look, I think we um we have spoken to you for a while and I could keep talking to you forever. But we do need to find out what your desert island dish is. So you have been kidnapped, probably the most aggressively out of all of our so far, I
0: won't lie.
2: Anally blasted across the Pacific Ocean <laughs> onto a deserted atoll. And what did you bring with you? And how did you keep it safe on the flight over?
0: <laughs> oh, I have some dry ice. So I've got a, an escape. Where? <laughs> um, in my, that's why I'm bleeding in the butt.
2: It's really hot, guys
0: It sounds like ice, it sounds cold, but it will burn you Don't touch, do not touch No, we do cook a lot in our house Um, I must admit, I'm more of the savoury guy Richard's the sweets guy And this is a bit of a cheat, because I use recipes a lot But, um, it's Cereal milk flavoured ice cream
2: What? Interesting What's cereal though?
0: Well, that's why I was Chatting to you before, it depends How you make it, so this is a bit of a I tend to take tons of different recipes from different people. One of them, you probably know one of these people. So you, you probably know, cause you watch MasterChef and stuff. So you know, Christina Tozy. Do you know? Yes, I do. Okay. So I'm obsessed with her because Milk Bar is just, I'm obsessed with it. And what I love about Christina Tozy is that she, um, taps into all of those memories of like working class things and she's not a snob. So I love that she, you know, she's not a snob about, I mean, she's a, I believe she's a, classically trained pastry chef she used to work at i think it's called mama fuko's or something in new york like a really fancy restaurant and then they eventually gave her like her stuff was so good and she's famous for this thing called well they now call it uh, what do they call it milk bar pie but it was called crack pie because it was so amazing and addictive <laughs> 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 but we make a lot of ice cream at home because we just we just do and richard's kind of an amazing cook like i, I dated someone that when i first met him um he, he was very lazy and I would cook a lot and then one day he made an omelette one-handed and I remember he had like the salt and pepper in one hand and did the seasoning and I was just like you motherfucker you actually know yeah, how to cook because he tra- that's hot I know and he trained as a chef which was annoying um, but this is um, you make this thing called cereal milk first so Christina Tozzi does have a recipe for this and you can get it anywhere and a lot of people have ripped it off but this was her invention and her way of making it so basically when you make an ice cream have you guys made an ice cream at home before
1: no, but, but one of the big questions in my life right now is whether I buy an ice cream machine.
2: This, this could very well be the talk break that decides that. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Okay, so that's amazing. Right. So the great
0: thing about the reason you want to get an ice cream machine is that what makes something ice cream, and we've done a lot of research about this at home because we're fascinated in the difference between that and gelato. Basically, gelato doesn't have any um, eggs in it, um, which is the difference. What is amazing about ice cream is the, the way that it infuses air molecules as it's freezing and a good ice cream machine, um, as it's churning and whipping, it's trapping these air molecules, but basically custard to go back to my milk milkman days, you, all ice cream is, is basically custard that's frozen. So when you think about, uh, what, what we think of as, as custard, that's actually just cold ice cream, unfrozen ice cream. And custard is basically just milk, cream, eggs, and sugar. The way that you make a custard is that you, it can't boil because if your eggs boil, they'll scramble and they'll, it'll taste eggy or souffle-y. So when you're making a custard, basically you, there's tons of recipes. You can find tons of recipes for a basic custard or, or any custard uh, to put into an ice cream. But basically the trick to it that Richard taught me and, and we've learned to do is that you have to separate your eggs, right? So you, you've got your milk mixture on the boil. So you, you can put your, basically your sugar I usually always add some vanilla in there, but you put your sugar. In this case, you will have um, cereal milk. I'll tell you how to make that in a second. But um, the trick to making a a custard for uh, ice cream is that you're bringing the the milk slowly to boil, but you need a a proper chef's thermometer because it can't exceed 80 degrees because it can't get over boiling. Otherwise, um, your eggs will scramble, right? But you're ladling out some of the warm milk and you're putting it onto the separated yolks and you're slowly kind of um, emulsifying them so that they're becoming a liquid before they're entering the hot milk mixture and then you're slowly adding them to the milk so that there's no chance whatsoever that they can scramble because believe me if you try to make custard and put it in an ice cream machine
2: with scrambled eggs it's vile yeah, yeah, but you said cereal milk ice cream. That's breakfast themed. What's wrong with scrambled eggs? <laughs> ice cream.
0: Yeah, that's more of a savoury thing. And I've never really loved savoury ice cream unless you put like bacon or something as a. As a but the way to make um, s- cereal milk is basically you steep the milk that you're going to use for your custard um, in in cornflakes. Christina Tozy does it in a way that first of all she'll take just basic cornflakes and she toasts them in an oven so that they caramelize a little bit. Take, takes them out. You put them in like a huge tub of milk. You let them sit. You can even let them sit overnight. Um, she puts brown sugar and stuff in there, but we have a little cheat. She adds salt as well, but we have a sheet where we put brown sugar on the, the cornflakes and uh, salt. Um, so they caramelize. You put them in the milk overnight and then you, you steep it and then you you basically push it through a sieve or through a cloth, a cloth sieve and you, you push every ounce of moisture out of there and do not drink it because literally it is like it is so addictive and you won't have enough to make your ice cream but you can also do it with um fruit loops it'll be a different it'll be a lemony vibe but the thing about it even the cereal milk like it's not sophisticated my version of like bread out of the bag would be just to make cereal milk because it is she actually sells it as a product herself but that thing, that memory you have of, as a kid of drinking the bowl of milk at the end of your cereal, this is an ice cream that tastes like
2: that. That sounds so. I'm thinking. I'm I'm looking at this ice cream in my mind palace the same way Bono looked at Tegan from <laughs> the
1: stage. Yeah, I've. <laughs> I love this because I've never heard of it, and that really, really excites me. It's also brought back another memory, speaking of the um the, the cornflakes going into the oven, and you know, that thing about our mums and trying to pull stuff together, you know when you had to take something to school, a sweet, and so they just do the cornflake crackle things?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what this... And it... it... Is, tastes like that. Yeah. Yeah. This... Oh,
1: that's so lovely. So it has
0: a caramelly kind of burnt... Um, that's why the toasting of it's really important, because it gives it that kind of... Um... It's funny, I listen... Listen to the episode just to do my research and because Paul told me to, with Melissa from MasterChef, and she was talking about umami, right? But I would say that caramelly kind of flavor of like the um, the whatever that thing was, where it was just um, kofa and uh, that dessert you're talking about, Tegan, it was like I think you used like honey and kofa and um uh cornflakes and you mix it all together and then you put it in the fridge and they freeze and it's just this incredibly fattening sweet sugary thing (laughs) i don't know what it's called maybe your listeners can tell us what it's called um to me that is a quintessential flavor of like baking that reminds me of just a bake sale or baking or any time you had to bring something from home uh at school it reminds me of tuck shop um, that's what this ice cream tastes like.
2: Let's get a tuck shop on the island and Darren can run it and sell the ice cream. Yeah, that I would say- be lovely. Get your hands off my bloody rats. No bloody rats. <laughs>
1: <sighs> oh, that is just, I, it's the loveliest dish. And I'm actually going to now go and do a lot of reading about this. And I'm going to buy an ice cream machine. Do no, it. Not,
2: I, will not, I will not talk you about Seriously, I think what you've done, Darren, is you've done that thing that people, when they evangelize about shit they care about- Right. Mm-hmm. By the end of the conversation, you you were you're compelled almost genetically to go off and just steep yourself in that thing. Tegan, right? can
0: I tell you the book to get? We got it when we were in England, but yeah. this is called Lola's Ice Creams and Sundays, and she spelled it the fancy way, A E S. Yep. Great. Um right. and the person's name is Welsh, so I can't pronounce her first name, but it's Morfud Richards, but I'm sure it's not pronounced Morfud. M O R F U D D. But That's where we started. This is like 10 years ago, making ice creams. And once you start, because it's really just steeping milk in any flavor that you want the ice cream to taste like. And that's essentially how you make it. We've made peanut butter ice cream. We've made rose flavored ice cream because that's one of my favorite flavors. Um, But it's the way to really wow guests. You can have a shit dinner. But if you make, if you like, and now to the homemade ice cream, you blow people the fuck away.
2: You finish. Um, you can finish an album with a tra- with a really good track, you know. Exactly. You want the, you want the last taste in people's like mind to be the the, the good taste. And I think honestly,
0: yep. you know, you two could play No Line on the Horizon the whole album. But if they look at Tegan at the end, it was a great concert. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they could they
2: could put any album on my phone they want, but as long as they finish with some fucking ice cream, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Well, Darren, I cannot express enough just how grateful we are to have you on the island and how sorry we are that you'll never leave. But thank you so much for joining us and um, get cracking on that ice cream. I'm just going to go investigate this blood. Wasn't that just incredible? Darren Hayes again. Now, as you remember from the start of the episode, Tegan, we actually wiped Darren's memory at the start of last week. So what we're going to do is we're going to wipe his memory again, and then any time you re-listen to these episodes, it's actually a recreation of him doing the episode live.
1: Why are you torturing Darren Hayes, Paul? Why have you chosen to do this? Because his music made me feel things
2: (laughs) in my loins, in my feet, and now I have to punish him. No, Darren's incredible, and we are so happy to have him on the island.
1: I have a secret to share with you. Just before we wrap but Paul, I've I've done a thing.
2: Oh god. I know. Okay. What is it? But
1: Darren made me do it. So you can't be mad at me, okay? Mhm. I was, you know, Clearly, really a big fan of Darren's desert island dish. I mean, bringing ice cream onto a hot island. I think that this is exactly what we needed. It was the dish that we deserved. Yes. So I feel very inspired and very empowered because you know what? Darren also <laughs> empowered me. Okay? What? Have, what have you done? I bought an ice cream bowl.
2: You bought an ice cream bowl. A
1: special KitchenAid attachment that can go on my KitchenAid. Wait
2: to make ice cream. To
1: make ice cream. It's this special bowl. Are you serious? I'm serious. Hang I'm- on. So,
2: we don't need an ice cream maker, do we?
1: Well, it is. It's like the KitchenAid version of an ice cream maker. Hang
2: on. How much money did this cost? I <laughs> don't want to tell you. Wait, wait, wait. I don't
1: you, but I want to call it Darren. I want to call the little attachment Darren. So hey. whenever we make ice cream, it's going to be like, go get Darren. It's ice cream time. Can
2: Darren reimburse us for the Darren? <laughs> <laughs> because, hang on, hang on. Is it like a comically big amount or is it like a... Look. Will it stress me out?
1: I've just reduced my hours at work. So is this a smart decision? <laughs> Look for... Hang, go- hang on, hang on.
2: You, pick, you told me to wait and then pause the recording and you picked up your phone and kind of held it away from me. Were you doing it in front of me?
1: No, 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 no. I bought it. I've already bought it. Oh, I did- bought this behind your back. Darren knows about it. Does he? Well, Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But in the meantime, uh, I think we're trapped here on this island and it's a good thing that we have the Darren to smoosh ice cream around in. So what's the first ice cream you're going to make?
1: I think, oh, I'm actually not sure. I think I want to try a homemade strawberry ice cream.
2: Okay. Because
1: one of my most treasured ice cream memories was years ago I was out with my family and we, we came across this person who was making homemade ice cream. Mm. I guess you can figure out where this is going. And I had an incredible strawberry ice cream. So wait,
2: your story about strawberry ice cream is, I had some good strawberry ice cream. That's (laughs) not a story. That's just a series of events culminating in ice cream.
1: (laughs) After Darren told all the good stories, what chance did I have?
2: That's very true.
1: While I dive into making ice cream, please do subscribe to our podcast. And to all of our new listeners from the US, thank you for being here. Do stick around.
2: Darren Hayes wanted to fly you to the moon and back, and according to you, he did often. But our next guest is flying to Mars and never coming back. How's that for a segue?
1: That's very nice, Paul
2: Verhoeven. Thank you very much. So get a big bowl of ice cream, kick your feet up and get ready for an amazing episode of Dish. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island.
1: Dish is part of the Acast Creator Network.